One of the odd things about the pandemic is that oftentimes we pay very little attention to what's happening in other parts of the world, specifically when it comes to stuff like mandates and protections and so forth. So while the big debate here obviously has been about when provinces are lifting COVID-19 protections, how, and so forth, in Hong Kong, there has been an absolutely terrifying outbreak of COVID, um, mostly attacking an elderly population that was under-vaccinated. And then now, in the last few days, China has begun to report quite an increase in COVID-19 cases. Today, more than 5,000. That is the most there reported since the pandemic began. So the response, of course, for all those here who talk about freedom, the response there, of course, tens of millions of people are under lockdown in China tonight. Uh, Again, as the country copes with the most serious outbreak of COVID-19 since the beginning of the pandemic, and one that has spread to several parts of the country. So what does that mean? China's ordered the entire province of Jilin up north near the North Korean border, 24 million people into lockdown. The Southern Finance and Tech Hub of Shenzhen near Hong Kong, massive place, used to be tiny in the early 80s, massive now, 17 million people under lockdown. That includes companies such as Foxconn, which produce iPhones for Apple. Their workers are all at home. They've shut down for the week. So as China continues to enforce these strict zero COVID rules, of course, I didn't mention everyone's being tested in those places. What impact could it have on its economy? And by that, with supply chains already stretched thin, we've been talking about this for months now, what impact could it have on the rest of us? Those are some serious questions to answer today. And joining me to do so is Yan Zhong Huang. He's a senior fellow for the Global Health at the Council on Foreign Relations and a professor at Seton Hall University's School of Diplomacy. Professor Huang, thanks so much for being here tonight. Thanks for having me, Ben. It has been, I mean, the headlines we've seen emerge out of China over the weekend in connection with the COVID, with with the pandemic, are things we probably haven't seen in a long time. Just how serious is it? Well, I think it's fair to say, well, this is the worst outbreak since Wuhan in early 2020. So over the past two years, China has been able, uh, through a very stringent zero COVID strategy, uh, contain the spread of COVID-19. Uh, but now you know, we're seeing suddenly, uh, since, since early March, but the spike of cases uh, in multiple cities in the country. And we've seen some some very severe measures as well, perhaps not as severe as when Xi'an was locked down before the Olympics, but Shenzhen, a city of 17 million, locked down. Um, the reaction has been very swift, well, yeah, it's, uh, this is the actual it conforms to what they call the zero clearance or zero COVID uh, or dynamic uh, zero COVID uh, policy. Right? That uh, you know, it's stif- sort of different from the you know this previous zero COVID strategy in that they now recognize that it's unavoidable to have you know small sporadic outbreaks. But you know the under this dynamic zero COVID strategy, I mean, once you identify you know several case local transmissions, immediately well, that's going to be followed by aggressive you know uh, quarantine, you know mass testing, even lockdown measures in order to uh, um, uh, contain the spread of the virus. You know and uh, to make sure you know it's the uh, to sustain that extreme low level of infection. 
I'm going to, for, for listeners who may not be familiar with just how widespread these measures are, um, they are a massive undertaking, are they not, for, for public health authorities in each of these areas to try to, to impose what, what is being asked of them? Oh, absolutely, right? The China now is arguably the, the, the only country, right, that still clings to a, a draconian, right, uh, zero tolerance strategy fighting COVID pandemic. You know, we have some, you know, maybe a very small number of like Pacific Island countries, maybe also Taiwan, or if you also include Hong Kong, that uh, pursued a zero COVID uh, approach. But in terms of the stringency, I think the mainland China is the uh, um, the, 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 the most uh, uh, stringent one. And also in terms of this, you know, this how this measures, right, that is applied, uh, uh, apply, right? You talk about right, this, this country of 1.4 billion people, right? And now probably more than 50 million people now under right, lockdown measures to various degrees. And testing as well, right? Uh, I, I know that from just from, from hearing around that there are there are, there is mass testing going on. Well, uh, yeah, this is the uh, this is the not the, the antigen test, you know, that the, we we do here, right? Using this, you know, uh, antigen uh, uh, kits by the, that you can test at home. Right? This is government controlled PCR testing, right? Uh, and, and until recently, right, the, the uh, this is the only method what they use in in in, uh, in testing people. Right. Uh, and after while you are tested positive, right, that uh, you are bound to be a close contact, right? Uh, the, uh, you know, the, the building you stay, right, that, that will also be quarantined. Well, um, how did it, after all these months, these many, many, many months of being able to keep the situation under control, as far as we could tell, how did it all of a sudden get away from them? Do you think? Well, I think was to do with the variant, right? the Omicron variant, as we all know, is transmissible. But more than that, right, it's also right, uh, maybe it has something to do with the mass vaccination campaign. Right, a majority of the cases, at least sixty percent of those cases identified, actually are asymptomatic ones. Right. right, so that actually reveals another problem with the mass, you know, PCR testing regime. That is, right, the, you know, typically they find cases, you know, when you show the symptoms, then go to a fever clinic, right? There, where you find, oh, you are tested positive. You know, but with that many symptomatic ones, you know, like uh, uh, very few of them probably will go to the fever clinic, right, to be tested. So when you find out when this suddenly this is the problem, it's too late, right? That uh, you know that might also explain why Shanghai, right, which is very well known for its targeted approach, flexible approach in handling COVID, now has to even also applies you know this uh, what we call soft lockdown measures, right, in the city. Has there been or are you seeing a? a less tolerant public for these sorts of measures now that we're two years in? 
Very good question. I think in the public support to the zero COVID uh, continue to be strong in part because of this fear, right? That is the, uh, that, uh, you know, if COVID is allowed, you know, to uh, run rampant in the country, right? That this is going to be a disaster, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, this excessive measures, you know, that are being uh, implemented, right, across the country, right, after you know, two years, or also, right, I think is contributing to that fatigue. Uh, and the people, uh, a growing number of people, in my impression, is that they become fed up with the, uh, this excessive measures, you know, that is undermining the public support, you know, to zero COVID strategy. How long can Beijing continue with a zero COVID strategy, especially in the face of something like Omicron? You have mentioned that they've started to adapt it somewhat, but it still feels like it's been a very rigid plan from the beginning. And there seems Mm -hmm. to be very little signs that Xi Jinping or anyone else um, in power is going to back away from this zero COVID approach. Well, we know that the approach, right, is actually (laughs) contribute, right, to the uh, extremely low level of infection right, in China, right? So, you know, Ch- China, China consider that this is a big achievement, okay, it's a superior Chinese model, right? political system, but the, you know, the, the cost, right, associated with implementing the strategy, right, we talk about, right, the separation of family members, you know, the inconvenience, you know, disruption of the supply chain, right, the out of business of the small, you know, uh, business firms, right, the, the cost also uh, is very high and become even so right now with more people and more more cities being uh, affected, you know, by the, uh, the, the the new variant and therefore also the uh, zero COVID strategy. Uh, uh, so it, uh, um, uh, you know, the, that strategy in the long run, even the Chinese top Chinese public health, you know, experts agree that in the long run is not sustainable. I'm speaking with Yan Zhang Huang, a senior fellow for global health at the Council on Foreign Relations and professor at Seton Hall University's School of Diplomacy. He, you mentioned Hong Kong. That's what I wanted to talk about when we come back. I'm back with Yan Zhang Huang, senior fellow for global health at the Council on Foreign Relations and professor at Seton Hall University's School of Diplomacy. Uh, Mr. Wong, you did mention Hong Kong, and it's been a, those who haven't been paying, perhaps been paying a lot of attention, because here in Canada, of course, we're starting, and in the US as well, where you are, we're starting to lift a lot of these mandates, lift a lot of these restrictions, do away with a lot of these things that we had put into place. In the meantime, Hong Kong has gone through an absolutely terrifying uh, few months here. What has happened there and why? Well, I think uh, well, we, we know about that Hong Kong pursued a, a zero COVID approach, although to a lesser dis- disagree by right, compared to mainland China. Uh, so that the approach actually worked well. Uh, Hong Kong uh, actually is, could be considered like a poster child of zero COVID. But uh, in, in the meantime, you know, that also means that uh, the government has not, you know, had not before the fifth uh, where the outbreak, right, the um, the fifth wave, you know, they failed to uh, invest in public health surge capacity building, 
and uh, also by uh, the uh, uh, they failed to write, you know, make uh, um, uh, um, significant efforts to uh, e uh, to vaccinate the elderly. Uh, in Hong Kong. So the vaccination rate among the elderly people were actually very low, you know, before, you know, the, the fifth, um, the wave arrived, you know. So, you know, this, this is actually this sort of, of course, this complacency, but also but this, this vaccine hesitancy, right, uh, contribute to uh, um, uh, the, the extremely high, COVID uh, mortality rate uh, in the island and also uh, overwhelmed by the, the spike of the cases and disease overwhelmed the, uh, the country's you know, healthcare system, uh, the uh, overwhelmed the territory's healthcare okay. system. Certainly because it's on right on the border that, uh, I mean, that China, mainland China always keeps a close eye on Hong Kong, obviously, that this would certainly send alarm bells through, through Zhongnanhai or through Beijing. Absolutely. In fact, what is happening also in Hong Kong, I, I think is connected to what is happening now in Shenzhen, right? Because right, this, this uh, uh, in part because of that zero COVID strategy, you know, a lot of those, I think, undocumented by illegal immigrants there who were from mainland China uh, uh, couldn't afford right, to be quarantined or isolated right, in, the, uh, in Hong Kong. So some of them, you know, like, uh, try to flee the island. You know that uh, I think contributed to the uh, the rise of cases in Guangdong province. I want to ask you a question about what we might see here, because of course Shenzhen is a very, very important uh, manufacturing hub, specifically high tech. Uh, it's shut down now. We saw companies shutting down their uh, Foxconn, I believe, is shut down for a week. They produce uh, everything. What sort of economic impact could we see here, uh, especially with stretched supply chains already? What sort of impact could these lockdowns in China start to have, do you think? Well, we know right, that China was able to maintain right, uh, uh, the relatively strong economic growth in part because of the robust export sector, right? The, well, that certainly benefit from the shrinking manufacturing capacity uh, in other parts of the world because of the COVID, right? And now you found those, you know, the industrial hubs such as Shenzhen now uh, under the, lo the lockdown, right? The, I think it's just uh, like a, one week or one month, you know, that uh, could have huge Huge implications for the global supply chain. If you also want to add the Shanghai, another by business uh, industrial center, right in China, you know the impact is you know, certainly is not going to be confined right in China. I was going to say, I guess that's one reason why it may seem like this is happening far away. We may feel the impacts, and we're already dealing with the war in Ukraine. Uh, we're already dealing with supply chain issues to begin with. Inflation is high. Uh, this this can't be this this can't possibly be good for the Chinese economy, let alone the global economy. Absolutely right. I think you know they um, already right. The uh, beginning last summer, right? Uh, there was this the uh, uh, the government leaders are concerned about this the uh, suppressed domestic demand 
right? The uh, disruption of the supply chain and the uh, uh, weakening macro econo- uh, the uh, expectations in Chinese economy because of the uh, this the uh, the stringent you know zero COVID uh, measures. Uh, so you know I think the situation right there is likely going to get worse. Are there any contingency plans for it, though? Because one would see if Shenzhen's about to lock down for seven days and close something as big as as some of its major manufacturers of high-tech goods. Uh, For instance, Foxconn, if I'm not mistaken, makes almost everything that goes into any iPhone you would ever want to purchase, along with many other things. This could have, obviously, China is going to be struggling to find a, a backup to this as well. Oh, absolutely. I think, well, certainly for the multinational uh, corporations, when they need to uh, find a backup plan, I, I believe they're doing so, uh, to my knowledge. You know? But, uh, you know, the, the, the thing is that for a long time, the government right, didn't have an exit strategy right, the, uh, uh, to prepare, right? Uh, what, is the, uh, the, 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 what is inevitable? You know, I think, uh, you know, that is the biggest problem. Yan Zhang Huang, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. My pleasure.